Well, the moment of truth. Well, before I start, <laughs> never in my wildest dreams would I think I'd be here. From where I, my story is, it's all because of Christ. You know, 10 years ago, even 10 years ago, I wouldn't think I'd be here preaching God's word or trying to. But it's his work in me that brought me here. So hopefully it goes well. Um, where to start? So we're going to start here this morning. We're going to go over Colossians. Um, I'm not sure exactly why. <laughs> but I know that the Lord has led me here today. Hope it's not only five minutes long. But, so, before I begin, why don't we open in prayer to the Lord and uh, let him work through me today. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing me here today. This is the day that you have made. And I pray, Father, that you will work through me today and encourage those here today. May your word be powerful to the hearts of those hearing it today. And I pray, Lord, that I will be out of the way and you will come through me. And I ask, Father, that you'll give us peace today. In Jesus' name, amen. So my plan originally was to do just the first part of Colossians. Then I got thinking, had some wonderful counsel by many people today, uh, not just today, but over the past few months. And um, I just want to say thank you for everybody that has been praying for me, speaking into my life, you know, giving me encouragement and wisdom. <laughs> you know, like I said, I am no Bible scholar. I'm, no, I'm not even a college degree. Never went to college. But the Lord is in me. You know, I truly believe that. He's worked in my life so much, and I can just be willing to whatever he pushes me to. If we don't stretch and grow, we're stagnant. We don't do anything. Who knows what the Lord will bring you to? And I encourage everyone to just follow the Lord. It's Christ that works in us. So, as I explain a little bit of the letter to the Colossians from Paul, let's just get right into it. Paul was the writer of this epistle, this letter to the Colossians. There have been to some people don't think it might necessarily have been him, might have been someone that was writing it for him. He did have many people that wrote things for him, but it is clear in my mind that Paul wrote this, or at least facilitated it to be written. 
And who are we talking to? Well, we're talking to the Colossians. Who are the Colossians? They were a city in Phygia, in the Roman province of Asia, part of modern Turkey, about 100 miles east of Ephesus, in the region of the seven churches. Now, why is that important to know where they're from and who they are? Because it, just like us, it makes us who we are, where we're coming from. There once was a great city because the travel route went right through them. They were at the crossroads there. But then it got moved. And so they started to decline in their, in their greatness of a city. They were mainly Gentile, but there was a large population of Jews living there also. So the congregations were mixed, which also means that they have mixed ideas of where the religion is and how they think about things. And they were very confused. <laughs> They're confused about who Christ was. They let the world speak into their life more than Christ. Paul is writing to them because the heresy that plagued it. His Gnosticism is one of them. As my study Bible from John MacArthur says, that God is good, but matter is evil. That Jesus Christ was merely one of a series of emanations descending from God and being less than God, a belief that led them to deny his true humanity, and that a secret higher knowledge above Scripture was necessary for enlightenment and salvation. That was their belief. But we know that's different. They also had Jewish legalism being embraced, necessity for circumcision, for salvation, observance of the ceremonial rituals of the Old Testament law, in rigid asceticism, which is the, self, is the severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence. So the things that God made good, they didn't look into. So let's get into the first chapter here. As we see at the beginning, Paul is thankful. We just had Thanksgiving. Are we thankful? Paul is thankful for the Lord's work in the Colossians, in their life. Let's read verses 3 through 5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, giving thanks to the Father. Right at the beginning, telling us who's in control. Who, who do we give thanks to? The Father. And for who? His Son. The work that the, that the Lord is doing in their life. Thankful for the gospel being preached in their congregation. Thankful for them to be growing in his word. 
So he encourages them right off the get-go. It is because of God's Son that we have hope given to us from the Father. Let's look at 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Given the glory to his Son. The hope that is given is his Son. It's Jesus Christ. We see in chapter 1 that Christ is in all things. You know, a brother of mine spoke to me saying, I don't have to, pro- I don't have to defend the word of God. You just got to let it out. It is a lion ready to defend itself. Just let the word of God do the work. So that's what we plan on doing today. So we see in chapter 1 that Christ is in all things. In everything. That doesn't mean he's in your phone or in, in this. Everything was created through him, for him. All the glory is his. Let's read 15 through 20. Very quickly, Paul gets into it. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And and he is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is in everything. He might be, he is, oh, excuse me. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile him to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In him, all things are in him. See, the Colossians had an idea that you had to have a higher knowledge for salvation. It wasn't just Christ. Christ wasn't enough. Paul tells him differently right here. This is the main thread for the letter to the Colossians. They were obviously being taught by false teachers that Christ was not exclusive, was not the exclusive way for spiritual growth. They had the wrong teaching about who Christ was. See, Paul didn't even know them. He never, by what we know for, for uh, history is that Paul never went there to, to Colossae. But a brother, Ephorus, or however you say his name, 
came to him asking for help with this spiritual battle that they were dealing with. Paul is combating false teaching to the Colossians. As I think back, you know, pastor has been teaching us about false teaching through his midweek sermon that he, <laughs> that he prepares. Man, how much time did pastor put in to this congregation? I'm just doing one sermon. He does all kinds of things for us. What a blessing. Their background and their influence from different beliefs were clouding the vision of Christ. Paul was sought out by Ephesus to help. Do we sometimes cloud our vision of Christ? Do we let the world work in our, our eyes? Do we, do we let the world do too much? Are we influenced by the world? I know I am. It is important to know who Christ is so we can be alive in him. Chapter 2 goes a little deeper into our walk with Christ. As we look at chapter 2, verse 6 through 15, let us read it. Therefore, what is it therefore? It's therefore a reason. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit and empty deceit according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through faith in powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rules and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. You see the common theme here, in him. It is Christ. It's all him. Glory goes to him. Can't you see that Jesus Christ is completely sufficient? For all matters 
of life and godliness for everything. So don't be taken captive, as verse 8 says. But live in freedom that Christ has given us as believers in him. There's so much that could be said in this book. We're just doing a brief overview today. Maybe I'll come back and do it again. We'll see. Well, that said, Christ is sufficient, right? That said, as we look at chapter 3, we are called to put on a new self. As we read chapter 3, 1 through 3, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on, are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen to that. We have been raised with Christ. I have a quote here from Pastor Brian was, was wonderful enough to lend me some commentary. And this one from F.F. F. Bruce. What God has done for his people in Christ is the grand argument and incentive for Christian living. Think about that for a minute. We are to live a new life. New life that is in Christ. Don't set your ambitions on earthly things. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ in his exalted standpoint. You are new in him. Praise the Lord. I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for him. I know I wouldn't be. He's working in my life right now. Make your standards new. What is best? What is best? Set your mind on what is above, where Christ is. Paul is teaching us that we are new creations we must put away the, the things we once did. We need to say goodbye to the old life and anything that characteristic of it. <laughs> I just think about how I was. If Christ wasn't working in me, I wouldn't put the old things away. I'd still be doing them. I wouldn't have become an elder. Wouldn't be preaching his word. Wouldn't be going to Sunday school. Probably wouldn't even be here. But Christ has brought me here. And I'm so thankful to be here with you. Feeling your love and, and prayers. We are the body, right? 
But instead, we are to be renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Who is Christ? As Paul spoke earlier, he is everything. So, as there was much diversity in the Colossian church, Paul is clear that we are all the same in Christ. All the same in Christ. Verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Skyethan, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. That's, that's what we are. We're all in Christ. If you believe, if you're a believer, if that is what we put off, put to death, then what do we put on? We put on verse 12. Through 17, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I couldn't have said it better. What is that? That's a picture of God's body. It's what we are striving to do together. Right? We should be compassionate. Let me back up a minute. We are God's chosen one. Let's not forget that. Holy and beloved. He chose us. I know it wasn't me that brought me here. It's Christ. It's God calling me. And I just had to be willing to say yes. Holy and beloved we are. He loves us. You wouldn't be teaching us this stuff if he didn't. But as a body of believers, we treat each other with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You know, this, these verses just show me that that's what we should be as a body of believers together. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and being full of thankfulness for one another. 
I know I'm thankful for you guys. I love you. But as you see how Paul has been writing this letter, he started off with what is true. That Christ is needed. You need to know who Christ was so you know who you, how you treat others. This should be a picture of what our lives should be with one another. Are we living that way? There's a lot more to be said. As he moves on here in his letter, he extends it to how we should treat each other as believers, as followers. You know, wives are to submit to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, in in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Are we pleasing the Lord? Are we submitting when we need to submit? Are we, are we loving when we need to be loving? Are you obeying when you're supposed to be obeying? We're all children. We're all children of God. So, as we continue, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants obey in everything. Those who are earthly masters, not be by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord. I know one thing, when I'm working, I don't do it just for my boss. I know the Lord is watching me. You know, there's been many times where you can, ah, oh, we can, we don't have to do that. But I know he knows. <laughs> and I do it for him. I'm not doing it for the people, please. <laughs> but I do it because I love him. Because I understand that he gave me this work. I understand that I need this work. And he gave it to me. <laughs> Paul ends with instruction for Christian homes and relationships with each other. The new self relationships with each other have the new self relationship with others have one I don't I don't even know how I wrote that. Moving on. Quickly wrapping up here really because I'm I'm almost done. In chapter 4, 
has some further instructions on how we should treat each other. You know, continue steadfastly in prayer, watchful in, the, in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. And let this be one more word right here. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. What a wonderful encouragement at the end. It's not just here that we need to be nice and gracious, right? But to everyone around us. As Connie was saying, we don't know. We don't know what's going on in other people's lives or where they're at with things. We should look different. We should look different. There are a few things I want us to remember and to reflect on today. Christ is all sufficient. For whatever we're going on with in our life, whatever we have, Christ is sufficient. COVID, work, home, whatever it may be, Christ is sufficient. Preaching God's word, Christ is sufficient. He can work through me, work through you. Be willing. We have a hope in Christ. We are to live in Christ, walk with him, make sure it's real. He wants you to be with him. And we are to have a new life with Christ and his people. You are his people. We are to walk together in love. Love is what binds it all together. Love of each other, love of God. Well, I hope that you have been encouraged today. It is all Christ. Christ is sufficient. Don't let anyone tell you different. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you the thanks and the glory. We realize that you are sufficient for all. I pray, Father, that you will work in our hearts and our lives, Lord. Strengthen us where we're weak and guide us where we're lost. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.